Run the Army's race in person at the Pentagon. Army 10-Miler general registration is now open. Go to Army10Miler.com to register today. General registration presented by General Dynamics. Register today at Army10Miler.com. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I am at the NRB, and man, am I ticked. Why am I ticked? Oh, I don't know. Just everything, the state of the world. Uh, It's a crazy thing to be here because I'm doing my show uh, up on a platform. Uh, Some people are staring at me dully. Uh, Other people seem interested. But here's the point. I, I get to talk to fun guests, to friends. I'm sitting here right now with Abby Johnson. Abby, you're really here. I'm really here. And you're wearing, is it fuchsia? It's it's hot pink, Eric. It's hot pink. What's the difference between hot pink and fuchsia? Um, I don't know. I think fuchsia may be a little more purple. I think you might be wrong. I maybe I could um, be wrong. But anyway, you're 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 looking very bold and Thank beautiful you. and wonderful. Now, Abby Johnson is a name many people would know. But if you describe yourself today in a sentence, how do you describe yourself today? I am a former Planned Parenthood abortion clinic director who is now a pro-life activist. Ah, you're just making that up. Come on. That could never happen (laughs) that a a Planned Parenthood director would become a a pro-life activist. Abby, I just happen to know that that's true. But it makes me, it it excites me to think that, um, that it is true and that it's your story. And it's a beautiful story. It's a moving story. It's been told in a film. It has, yeah. A film called Unplanned that you can uh, stream on Amazon. And I think to watch it or it's something. Two bucks? Yeah, I think it's like two, two or three bucks. It's cheap. And you can watch it. And I, I think, I think it's a life-changing film because um, it, you know, for a long time people said, Abby, if people could see what you saw. It would impact them. It could possibly change their mind on abortion. And so when we when we did this film, we did unplanned. I said, okay, well let's let's show them then what I saw on this ultrasound. And so that's really what we did. We we took thousands of images from an ultrasound and we basically manipulated them so that people could see exactly what I saw. All right, let's look. For people who aren't tracking here, first of all, a couple things. Yeah. If people want to find you, where can they find you online? Yeah, my website is abbyj, A-B-B-Y-J.com. Abbyj.com. Yeah. That's a pretty good website. No, thanks. Um, abbyj.com. So yeah. you, your story, which we've told on the program before, but it's very moving. And so you're, you're basically describing the fact. If, 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 give us the short version for people who aren't familiar with you. You are the director of a Planned Parenthood. What year was this? Uh, yeah, so I left in 2009. So I was there from 2001 to 2009. So this is not a million years ago. No. And that's what you did. Mm-hmm. One day... As the director, you had won awards, like, you know, yeah. director of the year. Planned Parenthood stuff. employee of the year, yeah. And you're all in on the Planned Parenthood agenda. Yep. And then one fateful day, they need your help in doing an ultrasound on a pregnant woman who has come in. And you go into the room. You've never done this before. No. Nope. And what happens? So I 
was called in to assist. We had a visiting physician there that day. Ultrasounds are not typically used during the abortion. So we used them to date the pregnancy so that we could find out how far along the woman was in her pregnancy so that we would know how much to charge her. But we did for not... For the abortion. For the abortion. Because the larger and older the baby, the more money. Yeah, the more expensive. So, uh, yeah, so I, I get called in. The doctor says, look, I want to show you what this would look like. You know, dear, I want to show you what an ultrasound-guided abortion looks like. I want to show you what's happening in Excuse the womb. Me, an ultrasound-guided abortion. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that the doctor who is charged with killing this unborn child is guided with the technology of the ultrasound so he can see better what he's doing. That's right. Yeah. And I had never seen anything like that. So I think, okay, yeah, this is going to be a good learning experience for me. I've, I've never seen this. But I will say, Eric, I did, I did feel some hesitation because I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I about to see? Right? In other words, up to this point... Look, this is true of everybody to some extent. We know certain things. We don't know certain things. And there's certain things we kind of don't want to know mm-hmm. because we're sensitive or whatever. So it's one thing to say I'm all in on abortion. But now you're called into the room and you're going to see this thing happen that you haven't really dealt with. Your eyes have not seen what is actually going to happen. And with the ultrasound technology, now you can see it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a that's a whole new level of of dealing with this thing that's been at arm's length. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a whole new culpability, too, right? I mean, like when you when you see it, you have to deal with it, one way or another, right? You've got to deal with it, and I feel like in life, we're always coming to crossroads, and we either make the choice. You know, we, we choose the path of righteousness or we choose the path of sin. And when you choose the path of sin over and over and over again, that's when, you're, that's when your conscience becomes seared. And I had chosen the path of sin working in the clinic so many times. You know, my heart was pretty hardened to abortion. But here was another crossroad where... I was about to see an abortion actually happen, not the aftermath of abortion that I had seen many times. I'd seen the blood. I'd seen all of that many times. I was about to see a living child die. And so I knew I'm about to be at another crossroad here. I can either choose righteousness, I can choose truth, or I can choose this line of justification that I had been choosing for eight years. And, uh, yeah, and so when I saw it happen, I was shocked. Honestly, um, I was shocked to see a 13-week-old baby fight and struggle for his life, trying to move away from the abortion instruments. 13 weeks. So already at 13 weeks. Still in the first trimester. So we would say this is an early abortion. This is not a late-term abortion. Nonetheless... You understand that what you're looking at is fighting for its own life, mm-hmm. is recoiling at what is being done to it, and that's at 13 weeks. Yes. And you know, a crazy thing. I so I used to, I used to nanny for these for these kids in college. Their mom. I don't. I don't think I've ever told this story before. 
but exclusive right here on the Eric Metaxas show. Um, I was nannying for them. Their mom was super, super liberal. And I had, after I quit the, after I quit the industry, I, uh, I was, I called her. Well, she wanted to know, why'd you quit Planned Parenthood? And, uh, and so I told her, I said, well, look, this is, this is what I saw happen. I, I saw this baby moving on the instruments, you know, it was trying to save its life. And I will never forget this. She said, she was quiet on the phone for a minute and she said, oh, Abby, she said, that's just a reflex. And I hand to God, she said, you know, even plants will recoil if you try to cut them and they don't want to be cut. Yeah. But will they scream? And I thought, Do what? Do they have souls? I have cut many plants oh, before in my life, and I've never had one, you know, move its leaves and and try to recoil from me when I've been pruning. Well, listen, what what and what does that have to do with anything? Uh, you know, uh, I eat meat. Um, we're talking about human beings, and uh, it's just listen. This is such a tough subject because so many of us have been involved personally on the wrong side of it. Yeah. I have. I know. I have. I've told that story. I told that story in my book. I've told the story many times. Speaking at Pregnancy Center uh, ben- annual benefits, fundraiser benefits, yeah. I will mention that, you know, when I was a young man, I was not where I am now on this issue, on any of these issues. And uh, there are some people who, like your friend, it's just too painful to to, to deal with it. They, they don't want to... They don't wanna, they don't want to think. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe uh, it's a human being, and maybe uh, I'm guilty, and I need to. I need to do something different. Well, and I, I think it just. I think you're right. I mean, I think there are many, many people that have been touched by abortion. We know that. There. I mean, what? Depending on the statistic you look at, either one in four, one in three women have been impacted by abortion. Have chosen abortion, which means either one in four, one in three men have been impacted by abortion and so when you when you realize what abortion is when you when you realize the danger of abortion the severity of abortion when you realize what you have done by choosing abortion then you have to face it then you have to realize your culpability in that decision and that's hard well that's why i always have to drag god into it because if there's no forgiveness right this is just Untenable for people right. to acknowledge that they're wrong because they think, well, I can never be forgiven. It's too horrible. Therefore, I can't be wrong. Part of the reason it's been so difficult to get traction in the culture on this is because for some people, it is too painful. So they just have to go with the cliche. They have to go with the cliche. Whatever the mother wants uh, between her and her doctor. and da, 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 they, they can't. When you deal with the reality of it, it's too gruesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... You know, when, when I think of people like uh, Randall Terry uh, back uh, in the 90s, he was forcing people to deal with the gruesome side of it for us in doing that. There's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot here. Well, on the one hand, of course, we need to have compassion. Uh, but for, for me, the bottom line is just that when you say to people, listen, you can do, you can do something wrong, but God offers you forgiveness. So don't 
don't feel like you can't admit that this is a bad thing because there is a God who can forgive you just as he forgives you, Abby, and he forgives me, Eric, uh, for having participated uh, in these terrible things, in abortion, whatever. We, we are guilty, but God offers us forgiveness. And I can see how if a woman isn't aware that that forgiveness and love is there on the other side, that she simply cannot deal with the fact that this is what it is. It's too painful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grave injustice, right, that's, that's happening to these babies. And I think also we're just we're living in a society right now where people are being taught this misguided compassion, particularly young people. So I think that that is that's really pervasive. We right now there's you know this case going on there's a situation right now where you know a, I think 18 almost 19 year old girl delivered her baby in a hospital in a hospital delivered the baby in a hospital put the baby in a trash can the baby was born alive put the baby in a trash can the baby suffocated in the trash can on the liner of the the trash can liner the baby was full term and, you know, and I'm putting, I put this on my page and the, the comments in the comment section, I mean, and the, these are, these are, these are mostly pro-life people and they're on there saying this poor girl, this poor girl, poor girl, not, not the, not the baby you said, but thinking, the mother who put the, who put, yeah. And exactly. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> poor baby poor baby that was alone in a trash can that died a painful death of suffocation poor baby like i don't know what that mom had going on i i'm sure in order to put your baby in a trash can knowing that it's going to die a painful death alone surely you've got to have something going on mentally and i'm sorry for whatever she went through but there has to be some kind of penalty for doing that to your child we have been so wrapped up in this this society this this idea that we have to have compassion 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 we have forgotten about justice we have forgotten about the this godly idea of justice and i think that that god will remind us eventually that there will be justice for all of the blood that held of the innocent and um you know i pray that everybody listening is on the right side um of that when when justice does come down and i'm so thankful that i am now on the right side well it, it, this is the whole thing too like we we if you come to it honestly you say you and i don't deserve to be on the mm -mm. right side of this issue we are only here by god's grace so we have to be clear about that yep that Yes, it's the right side of the issue. Yes, we're on the right side of the issue. But we don't deserve to be on the right side. We were once on the other side of the issue, and it's yep. only by God's grace. Yep. So, of course, it's complicated. But you're right that, you know, cultures often, well, culture often errs, uh, culture always errs away from God. Yep. But the question is in which direction. So now we're dealing with this, like, 
this compassion thing where people would say, well, Hitler, his father beat him brutally as a child and on and on and on and on. And all of that is true. He's a human being made in God's image. But you you have to have the other side as well. So this is not about being cruel uh, and being indifferent to people's suffering, but it's being fair. It's being wise. And we're, we're living at a time when, you know, it, in other words, I think it's appropriate for our hearts to go out to someone sick enough to do that. On the other hand, if it ends there and you're not horrified at what this woman did to her child, yeah. if, you're, if you're not sickened by it, if it doesn't make you a little angry. So th- there's a lot to this. Abby, um, you have gone from being all in for abortion uh, to being all out uh, against it. <laughs> And um, you you live your life now, um, you know, talking about this issue. And we had, I don't know, what was it, a year ago, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yep. The Dobbs decision. Most of us, I mean, it's kind of like I was growing up. I didn't ever think there would be a time in my life when the Soviet Union wouldn't exist. So when that happened, I said, wait, wait, what? It's kind of like somebody saying, like, oh, there's only four continents now. You'd <laughs> yeah. be like, wait a minute. No, no, no. This is a given. This, is, this right. doesn't change. Right. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, I really thought, like, this is one of those things I can't believe that this has happened in my lifetime. Right. And I want, I want, to, be, I want to say this up front. If it weren't, in my opinion, for the guts of Donald Trump to, to stand up for the appointment of Kavanaugh, to stand up and to be— it, it, People need—I don't care if you hate him for any other reason— he ends up being the most pro-life president in history. Now, lately, of course, yeah. he's been weird and waffling, and I, I don't want to necessarily get into that. But I just want to say that the celebration over the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the, the churches, it was kind of lacking. People thought that, that I, you know, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be too celebratory over this. And it's kind of like... This would be like the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, it's how a big you, deal. How can you not be celebrating this? Sure. It's a big deal. I mean, this was this was the largest victory we've probably ever had in, in the pro-life movement, the overturning of Roe. Um, I don't want—I I, I, I was a little fearful when Roe was overturned because I, I was a little worried— that people were going to think, oh, well, we're done. Now we're done, right? I mean, that's it. Abortion's over. That's it. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, that is what they think. And we've seen that. I've talked to other, I've talked to other nonprofits, pro-life nonprofits, talked to other groups, and they're saying that their activism numbers are down, their fundraising dollars are down, um, volunteerism numbers are down. And I think that is kind of a misnomer that people think that Roe v. Wade was the end-all, be-all of abortion. And that's absolutely not true. Right. Uh, there's so much work that we need to do. And, in fact, I think overturning Roe actually made it harder 
on ourselves in the pro-life movement yeah. because we went from like one federal battle now to 51 individual battles. Right. If you include D.C., which right. unfortunately we have to. Yeah. In, in other words, people don't understand because they don't really understand what was at stake with Roe v. Wade. They don't understand what was won in its overturning. Right. Well, they don't uh, understand the case. Right. So right. they just think like, oh, Roe gone, abortion gone. Right. But that's that's far from that's true. That's not even close to. No. It's not even close. Um, we, um, well, so then what What are the battles that we face right now? You mentioned earlier uh, off the air talking about these heartbeat bills yeah. uh, that people are putting in uh, in different states. What does that mean, a heartbeat bill? For people who don't understand, what, how old is a baby when they detect a heartbeat in the womb? So generally, you know, six weeks, five to six weeks is when you can detect a heartbeat. Um, you know, Florida just passed that, which is huge. I mean, there are five, there were five states when Roe was in place. There were five states that made up more than 50% of the abortion numbers in our country. And that was Texas, Florida, Illinois, New York, and California. Whoa. So now you've got two of those five states. Texas has a complete abortion ban. Florida now has the heartbeat heartbeat ban so abortions after like six weeks right. definitely can't take place that's right. a huge victory now, now wait a second wait a second i just want to want to always want to backtrack because this is heavy stuff you said that right now texas has in place a total ban on abortion that's right okay is that happening yeah unless a woman you know goes out of state to have an abortion or unless she orders an abortion pill from out of the country which is but happening. I, I just had no idea. This just show, goes to show you how ill-informed everyone is if I didn't even know that. I feel embarrassed I didn't know that. Yeah, that there are Texas, no open abortion facilities in the state of Texas. Okay, that's, that's hard to believe. I mean, Houston was huge. Houston had, so the affiliate I worked for, Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast, which operates out of Houston. Oh, you were there? Yeah. I, I don't remember that aspect. Yeah, they operated the largest abortion facility in the Western Hemisphere second largest to China, and that facility now is not able to perform abortions. And Eric, they were they had the capacity to perform 75 abortions a day with one provider six days a week, and that is now closed. Okay, when did that happen? Because I am astonished. That is a tremendous victory. Yeah, well, we had a trigger ban in Texas. So we had the Human Life Protection Act that went into place um, last session. So... As soon as Roe was overturned, within a couple weeks, every abortion in the state of Texas had to stop. But, I mean, that's just such monumental news. No wonder the people on the left are, are losing their minds. Because that's oh, yeah. The, well, the reason I say this is because, you know, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, on some level, you could say, big deal. I mean, they, they, that was not... It was a, the whole thing was a preposterous kind of law that finds in the Constitution some kind of right for abortion. You think, okay, great, we've overturned Roe v. Wade. Now it goes back to the states. And in all of these states, you can kill your baby up until birth. So the fact that Texas actually enacted this, yeah. that is a monumental victory. That's yeah. actually way bigger than, than overturning of Roe v. Wade on some level. Like, I can't believe I'm hearing that. Yeah, That's and there were, there's a bunch of other states. I mean, Tennessee has the same the same provision in place. Arkansas has the same provision in place. There's several. There's, I think, 12 or 13 right. states right. that have no more abortion facilities in their state. So that's just huge. I, mm -hmm. I just, I really cannot believe that 
when you tell me that you cannot get an abortion at, at any point realistically in Texas, that is that is just monumental. Yeah, we went from providing 55,000 abortions a year in the state of Texas to now not having one open abortion facility. I just, I'm, I'm absolutely astonished. This is the greatest news I've heard in a long time. I can't believe I'm so ignorant, but I don't care. Now, Abby, some people know the film Unplanned that tells your story, but you just said to me now that you have a film coming out in the fall. What is I do. this? What is that? Yeah, it's coming out September 30th. Am I in it? No, you want to be in it? Is, is it We're already, still filming. Isn't it already in the can? Well, tell me about this film. I want to play the role of Evil Knievel. What is, what is the <laughs> film about? So it is a documentary. It's a feature-length documentary. It's called Unthinkable. And, you know, basically, I mean, when, when uh, my story came out and I started talking about all the things that were happening inside of the abortion industry and people said, you know, oh, well, yours is just a one-off. You know, your clinic was just bad, but that doesn't happen anywhere else. So I basically wanted to say, okay. Well, let's find out. Let's see if that's true. So through my ministry, and then there were none, we've helped over 650 abortion clinic workers leave their jobs in the abortion industry and come into relationship with Christ. So I said, well, you know what? Let's go around and let's start asking them. Is my experience just a one-time experience? Is it just a one-off? Or are these problems that I, that I saw in my clinic and my affiliate, are they actually systemic? And so that's what I'm going around. I'm interviewing workers um, that have come through our ministry, and I'm finding out. Well, I have to say, I've said this for years because my wife, Suzanne, ran uh, – pregnancy center in New York City for 12 years. So you hear these stories that I've never heard in the mainstream media that women uh, are walking around wounded because they've had an abortion. They, they, The mainstream media is not interested in hearing their stories that they made a mistake, that they feel they made a mistake. They couldn't care less what these women feel. They don't want to hear it. Those stories are never told. Similarly, you never hear the horror stories of what women experience going into these abortion clinics. You never hear those stories. You never hear the stories of how men bully women into killing their children. Mm-hmm. You just never you never hear these things. So I think getting all this information out changes the narrative. So mm-hmm. I am thrilled, frankly, to hear that, that you're making this film because people need to know. Because how else are they going to know? You're going to read newspapers. They're not going to tell you about this. This is not going to be on 60 Minutes. No, they don't know. I put out a book a few years ago called The Walls Are Talking, and it was similar. It was like print, you know, about these kinds of stories. And a girl I know who's adamantly pro-abortion, she writes pro-abortion stuff, she read it. Actually, I sent her a screening copy of it. She read it. She wrote to me, and she said, Abby, she said, if one of these stories is true she said abortion clinics need to be shut down and this film is story after story after story of these types of egregious things that are not only happening to the babies you know that are being killed in these abortion clinics was happening to women and there were even times eric when i was interviewing these people who i know i mean i know these people that come through our ministry they've gone on retreats there were times where i was looking at these women they're telling me stories and i was even shocked at, at you, what was being told to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the point is that we've got this. The media does not allow this information to get out there. So we're we're all doing what we can to change that. Mm-hmm. Because when the truth gets out, this is like the Wilberforce story. When yes. people began to hear the details of what it means for people 
to be captured in Africa and taken across in the Middle Passage. And it, when you would begin to hear those stories, it changes everything. You just yeah. say, like, I, look, I didn't know. I didn't know. I am totally against this now that I know what's going on. I feel that, that that's the parallel with the abortion industry. The more people learn the reality the reality, they're going to say, you know what? I, I didn't know. I didn't know. So what's the what's the title of this film? It's just called Unthinkable. Unthinkable. People can find out more at unthinkabledoc, D-O-C, unthinkabledoc.com. Okay, it's a documentary, unthinkabledoc.com, and they can find you at abbyj.com. Yep. And uh, great to have you, Abby Johnson. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today. This episode is made possible by PWC. Risk exists here, there, and everywhere. Whether it's governance, risk management and compliance, cybersecurity, or financial crime prevention, our risk products can help locate and address risks. At PwC, it adds up to the new equation. Learn more at riskproducts.pwc.com.